If I could turn back the clock I'd make sure the light defeated the dark I'd spend every hour of every day Keeping you safe And I'd climb every Just to be with you And fix what I've broken Oh, cause I need you folks uh i'm sorry he was laughing before we go back in there because <laughs> shocked himself yet again there you go right i hope you enjoyed that one because there is a slower version of that but our boss is like guys you know don't be too romantic because there's two men in the studio there so you need to be sort of a little bit more like like uh like you know not hardcore, but we kind of like enjoy the music a bit more. And we did, we did. And that's a great mix, by the way. Okay, uh, the next song you're going to enjoy just as much or even more. Okay, just to let you know that the Green Bay Packers' Aaron Rodgers, he threw his 24th touchdown in the season in an NFC North showdown because it is getting to that time of the year when basically all the teams are either going to go to the playoffs or they are gone. Okay, they are already gone. And some teams went out last week with an absolute whimper. And of course, we also know and they're losing right now to the absolutely awful 1-12 Bengals. Okay, it's uh, six, 6 minutes, 39 seconds left in the second period. But the Patriots are losing again. This could be, I think, their third in a row. But we're going to ask Alex B about that right now. Of course, as we said already at the start of the show, the uh, U.S. Um, colleges or universities, the uh, or I say college football has started. Um, or sorry, the bowl season has started. The of course, the, always the opener is between Navy and Army, and it drummed up quite a bit of uh, controversy because um, there was a sort of a, a white power symbol uh, with the with your fingers. I, I can't remember how to do it, but I never learned how to do it. Um, and it was done behind sort of like one of the presenters in front of the TV camera, and people are up in arms over that. Kind of 
figuratively speaking, because it was Navy against Army. So Navy, of course, who were <coughs> 23 ranked in the nation. They won 31-7. Uh, Navy, of course, had a f- quite a good season. They are t- they were 10-2 and two, and they beat the 5-8 uh, and eight Army. Okay, so we're going to go straight away to Mr. Alex B. And hopefully he can hear us l- loud and clear and we can hear him. Alex, you're doing well? Howdy, howdy, howdy. I'm doing fantastic. Thank you very much. Okay, so you're going to make sure to talk nice and loud to us so we can hear your beautiful, beautiful voice. So, um, Alex, I know it's coming up close to end of term time for you. Uh, we're hoping we're going to get you back in the studio uh, over the New Year's. Uh, but first of all, um, tell us what is happening in the NFL uh, playoffs, or uh, playoff picture. Who has qualified and who is chasing those last spots? Uh, in the NFL, uh, well, Baltimore, you know, the Ravens are the number one team and they're the heavy favorite to win. They have the cleanest record and the uh, the division leaders in um, the AFC. So, uh, the yeah, the Ravens then that's the um, the New England Patriots that are still... Uh, of course, they lost some players. I think they actually may have gotten worse this year, but they're not, um, they're not nearly as dominant as they were last year. Uh, and then the Chiefs and the Saints... That are both like these are the top four teams right now. Okay. And, um, Go ahead, Alex. And the Rams and the and Chicago and uh, my Eagles are not doing too well. <laughs> but listen, are you are, are you are you glad that uh, Peter's Patriots are on a bit of a slide? I mean, they've they've like, they've lost two in a row. They could lose tonight against the absolutely god awful Bengals. Um, could this be the end of Belichick and Brady or are they conning us as they always do and cheating so that they can go and win the Super Bowl again? Uh, I would be happy, but the circumstances are they've dominated the league for the past decade, so it's not real. in the bigger picture, it's not really that that good. Uh, but um, the I think that it is. It's not coming to an end quite yet. They still got it, but they're uh, eventually. Of course, there's only so many seasons that they can play. That Tom Brady can play, right? So true. I think true. after that, it's going to slowly. It's going to slow down. Yeah, that's that is fair that enough. Happened now with Gronk and all these other players. Yeah, I mean that, that was the, the Gronk Gronkowski uh, who retired last year. Um, Overall, uh, like okay, Europe and Canada, but is the NFL is it making much of an imp- impact this year, Alex? Uh, to be honest, not at all. Nothing that's not really with the, uh, involved with the Kaepernick situation. It's not really <laughs> doesn't really attract up attention this year. Do you think it's just because you have, of course, the CFL, which is a, is a great sort of. Um, a style of American football, shall we say, a gridiron to watch. Do you think that the Canadians, they're, they're more into hockey rather than sort of looking at the NFL? Uh, yes, because you're the only person that I've heard mention the CFL uh, in the past five years. Are you serious? And I live in Canada. Oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> There you go. I used to, I used to love watching the NFL or CFL. I thought it was great crack over there. Um, okay. Um, it, 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 well, it, listen, maybe it's because I'm in the in Toronto. It's a big city. Maybe uh, from what I can see, nobody's talking about the CFL after uh, maybe like somewhere in the in the far north, someone <laughs> is sitting there watching the CFL. <laughs> You're saying this very much tongue in cheek. I do think that there's more than more people interested in that. Um, okay, well, fair enough. Um, 
we 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 do know that like yeah well I remember when when uh, Doug Flutie was playing with the the Toronto Argonauts and he would thought of course who had a great career with uh, the Buffalo Bills. Um, but okay, so moving over to NBA, what's happening uh, with the big big tall boys? The, oh, the big big tall boy, <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, you startled me. That question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, you you're... Kind of, Yeah. So the Raptors. Hello, Alex. Yeah. Doing quite terribly right now. They yeah. Keep losing games, but the right now it's still between the Mavericks and the Lakers over in the West. Yeah. And we... that's kind of the big like contention. But the Milwaukee Bucks, they, I feel like they might actually get into the finals this year against the Lakers. They're doing they're both the Lakers and the Bucks are just way ahead of everybody else. I mean, I've seen that. I've seen the books this year. I, we spoke about it last week, of course. And I'm 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 looking at how how well they play. I'm also looking at Orlando Magic. They are they're in eighth place in the East. And uh, Nikola Vucevic, um, he's coming back. He could be playing for today um, for the Magic against New Orleans. Do you think then the Magic, can, can we expect them to maybe catch the Nets and the Pacers who are just ahead of them, maybe even catch the Raptors? Uh, yeah. I feel like, yeah. Uh, the Magic right now, I don't feel like with the players that they currently have, they can accomplish much. But at the same time, right now, they're very open to trade from other teams. Uh, they, they're essentially ready to trade everybody. Them, it's a similar situation in Cleveland. And uh, they're just ready to trade whoever they have uh, to rebuild their team. Well, I don't see them getting that far this year necessarily. But in the long term, they might uh, do something in their year. Listen, looking at uh, out in the West, the Golden State Warriors are kind of back to where they belong. They're 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 bottom of the pile, five and twenty-two. What, what's happened to them? I mean, they they can't have gotten so bad so quickly. Uh, well, they uh, really they just lost Kevin Durant during the off season. Then they gained yeah a great point guard, but uh, that. Series against the Raptors just left all of the Warriors just injured. So Clay Thompson, who's like one of their main scorers, he's out for the season. Steph Curry's out for pretty much the entire season, and then there's um, everybody else who used to like, which is just rookies and people who used to play on the on the bench. So right now it's only D'Angelo Russell leading this team, and he's still like pretty young in the league. Yeah, so it's tough for him to carry the team on his own. Um, uh, Alex, uh, staying on the topic of basketball, but um, to, to women's basketball, you had a very oh. interesting story um, about yes. Yes. WNBA, the women's NBA players who are coming to Russia. Can you explain why? Uh, well, because uh, I read about this in the, um, the wage situation. I always thought that it would be the highest in the in sports leagues and the WNBA but this is so this is not this is the opposite of true and the WNBA is actually one of the most lowest paying women's sports leagues like in the in the world because it turns out that three women who are these are three women that I took from the top 10 uh, all-stars in the WNBA right now yeah and 
So Diana Taurasi, um, Candace Parker, and uh, Brittany Griner, who are um, who are all in the WNBA, of course, and they, it turns out, in their off season, they come to play with uh, UMMC Yekaterinburg in Russia for women's basketball, and right. they get paid. Uh, they get paid significantly more in the off season playing here than they do there. So. For example, Diana Taurasi, she played in 2014. She made uh, the league WNBA, which was uh, 100,000 US dollars, and she made 14 times that amount playing here. Hold on, hold on. She made $100,000 playing in the WNBA, of course, home of basketball, well, Canada's home of basketball, but, or birthplace of basketball. But um, right, in the WNBA, right. this supposed the strongest league in the world and so on, but she makes... Well, okay, hundred thousand dollars there, and she makes one point four million here, playing in her off season. Right. How does that work out, Alex? I mean, like, yeah. are they getting good crowds in the WNBA? <coughs> uh, they are, but again, it's just like the the wage situation in the WNBA is just that it's, um, well, uh, to put this in like perspective, here it's not because um, we Russia is also known to like overpay players, but this isn't a situation of Russian or European teams being desperate for American talent, because the starting salary in the Women's EuroLeague here is $1,000, but in the United States it's $50,000. Hold on, so how, 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 in the EuroLeague, it's just like the standard is just higher. How much, how much again is it in the EuroLeague? The starting, see, the, the starting salary, Alex, we didn't hear that. How much is the starting salary in the Europa League? $100,000, twice as much as the WNBA. Whoa. Whoa. That is, that is quite a big difference. I mean, especially because, I mean, these are athletes. It's, it's their job to play. I did, <clears throat> interesting speak with uh, an Italian basketball player many years ago. Um, and she said that when she was offered to go play, you know, kind of develop or sort of, well, WNBA in America, she turned it down because in Italy, she could play her season and then work in the off season here. And she was making like three, four times more than WNBA. And for me, it was strange, but I didn't know the exact figures. I knew what she earned in, in uh, Italy, but it, it was strange. Um, uh, just a little, a little step further on, Alex. Um, how has the reaction been to, uh, you know, kind of what Russia suffered with WADA this week? How has the Canadian reaction been? What's been written and spoken about in the media there? Oh, well... Here it's the uh, it's not really a topic of everybody sort of like sees uh, the story is always that Russian athletes are doing doping so like people just see that there's no like really um, nobody really tries to deny that over here because no one really cares of course but um, in Russia there's a lot of um, it's a very controversial topic. Over here, it's not really a controversial topic because everybody sort of just believes that, yes, everybody is doping in Russia. Okay. Well, I mean, we weren't. We definitely weren't. We were playing with the Shamrock, so there you go. We can say that. Yeah, it's- yeah. Not, <laughs> not the Listen, yeah, yeah. Alex, um, any news on when you're coming back? No, not really. I'm still, in the, I'm still doing exams. I still don't know. Okay, and how are the exams going so far for you? Uh, I have no idea. I wrote them last week, and it takes them for some reason. It takes them two months to grade like a simple assignment. So no waiting. Teachers are yeah, so lazy. Horrible. Teachers are so lazy. That's just not fair. Poor students yeah, have to work hard. Yeah.
Right, listen, you just you stay yeah. warm, wrap up well, and um, we'll we'll chat to you next week. All right, thank you very much. Have a fantastic week. Okay. Um, have a great one. Thanks, Alex B. Okay. So, uh, just also, uh, Double N reminded me that this week, of course, there is quite a big game on in football. It is the final Classico, correct? Of 2019. Because, of course, our Classico, we all know what that means. Yes? We, no? 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 Hands up and around the class. Who knows it? Nobody knows. Well, people do know. I'm joking. So, of course, the El Clasico is the showdown in Spain between Real Madrid and Barcelona. So, at 10 p.m. on Wednesday, that's Moscow time, of course, you have Barcelona, who are, listen, they're two very, very informed sides, especially in, in La Liga. Barcelona are, uh, they've, they've, I think they've only drawn one of the last six or seven games. Real Madrid, the same. So it's in uh, the Camp Nou. And of course, if you look at it, okay, if you look at it, I mean, it's it's kind of, um, how do you say, I always look at the, the La Liga, there's only a couple of teams in it. But this year, it's still only a couple of teams in it. And they're starting to stretch their legs now. Because remember, there was Getafe and Granada. They were all doing quite well to begin with. Not now, folks, not now. Because Barcelona are top of the table. They are on 35, 35 points. And Real Madrid are in second on 34. Okay, so there you go. So that is La Liga. So this Wednesday evening, 10 p.m. Now, we're going to come back in just uh, a moment with Isol Cody. And at the end of the show, I have something for you to watch next, well, Sunday morning, Saturday night. Okay, Saturday night in America, Sunday morning here. A really good tip for you as well. Okay, you're going to enjoy it. You're going to thank me for it. You can say thank you very, very much, Alan. And uh, you can send me a nice Christmas gift. Okay, so we're going to have a break right now with... The Rasmus and In the Shadows will be back after break with Isil Cody to speak about Russia's, let's just say it, ban. Back after this. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
Начинай свой день с Capital FM и Dinay Mild, где бы ты ни был. Даже в душе. Каждое утро на 105 и 3 FM. Снова с 7 утра. Срочные новости. Обнаружен новый вирус. ТНТ Мьюзик. Основные симптомы. Передозировка качественной музыкой. Неконтролируемые приступы хорошего настроения. Резкие перепады танцевальных движений. Включай телеканал ТНТ Мьюзик. Здесь твоя музыка. ООО ТНТ Музыкальный. Свидетельство о регистрации СМИ ФС 776-54-56. От 18 апреля 2016 года. Для лиц старше 16 лет. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We, I hope you enjoyed that last one, okay, in the shadows by the Erasmus. Of course, this is Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM. It is plus two in Moscow. It is getting late in the evening. It's getting closer to Christmas. Yes, it's ten days away from when we can start opening our presents and Santa Claus arrives in. Okay, um, on last Sunday's show, we had quite a bit of talk about the upcoming water decision. We do know, we do know, folks, that uh, we knew what was going to happen. That was just, it was... In Russia, you say Ochevidna. It was obvious what was going to happen. Uh, on Monday morning, uh, after a conversation with a source within WADA, uh, I tweeted out what was going to happen, and it happened as that, as as he said, and it was actually uh, it was quite a bit worse. Okay, because uh, Russia was unanimously endorsed to have, uh, or that that they are non-compliant. The Russia, the lab, the Rosada lab here, Russia Anti-Doping Agency, they are now for four years banned. Okay, from bidding for any future events. So no. 2032 Olympics, for example, which is something that was in the pipeline. Um, and they said the most recent uh, breach was when in, Nov- in January, now remember this, in January, when everyone's on holidays, when we're all eating our puddings and having a bit of crack, um, that the people said, where is our goodies? So on the 2nd, the 3rd of January, they said, where is our stuff? And there's no one in the office. No one's taking calls. It was radio silence. The worst thing that can happen, of course, we know that from this show. Uh, radio silence from Russia and nothing was happening. So basically said, <clears throat> they found out that there was, then data was given over that it had been tampered with, that there were 145 athletes on the watch list and their data was missing. Now, we know this. One third of those athletes are still competing. Okay, so this is from 2012, 2015, 16. These, these athletes that um, were known to them to, to have been doing dodgy things. Of those athletes, we know, we know, but no one is saying it. It's very, very quiet. That at least of the, uh, the 145 athletes, about 28 athletes, I think it's either 28 or 29 athletes, uh, <clears throat> are non-Russian and they're non-Eastern European and they're non-African. They're Europeans or North Americans. Okay, there's one South American on the list. Of those, seven of them are still competing. And one of them, one of them is a bit of a mobot. But anyway, um, to discuss this and a lot more, right on the line with us, Madame Isol Cody. Isol, how are you doing? Have you woken up after that uh, flood of boxing and MMA overnight? It has been a great evening and delighted to have uh, Michael Michael Connell? Down as well yeah. there, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's just saying, because Michael Connell, of course, he, he, he stayed unbeaten last night. And I mean, it's, a, it's great to see him progressing with his career because, I mean, we do know that he had a... a, a I, I watched the fight back in Rio against Nikita and the Russian and I, 
I just, I, I thought there was something wrong within the Irish camp. Well, with St. Turner it was, and that he, he, he was on the wrong end of a decision that, you know, there were too many questions to be asked about it in Rio. Um, do you think that, okay, just on Michael Collins, do you think that he's, he's destined for greater things in uh, the, pre, the pro ranks? I think he is within the federation they have him in and in terms of sensible career management now. We're not going to see him on like the amazing heights of certain other Irish boxers that have gone before him. Um, but I think if, he's, if his career is sensibly managed, he... Yeah? He beat him last night, who I think surprised everyone in terms of his performance and he boxed very sensibly. I wasn't too pleased with some of the scorecards. I thought they were a bit wide, but it was a clear win for Mick, which is great. And I suppose on the subject of kind of governance in sport and transparency, Mick has done a huge amount in terms of speaking out as an athlete. Obviously, he was upset in Rio, but on the biggest stage, he made a huge statement and maybe the way he vocalised it wasn't great. But we're now seeing the knock-on effect of an athlete speaking out in terms of we now have for the next Olympics, we won't have any of the judges who were involved in Rio involved in judging boxing, which is leaving a big laguna in terms of the knowledge, but it's showing that the power of athletes in coming forward on issues like this and making a stand, like it changes how sports is governed. And I suppose... Yeah. Thing. Doping in sports, we see athletes make noises, but unfortunately, for some reason, the biggest name athletes aren't. And possibly that's because they're beating guys who are now being called out as dopers or being put under the presumption of guilt by virtue of their nationality. Well, listen, this, this is something, Isla, that, that, that always confuses me. And <clears throat> for many, many years when I was saying, we need to look at what's going on in Russian sport. We need to go look, looking at, when I was in Croatia, I said the same thing, even with rugby players in Croatia who were known dopers who had failed doping tests and were then continuing to work as development offers. So I'm thinking, this sends out the wrong message. Everyone just goes, ah, you don't understand. Sport is sport. You have to do it. You have to win. And sure, you know, and the whole thing of, well, they've never failed a test. This is the one thing that we, we hear on a regular oh. basis. Um, <clears throat> but if I'm looking at, say, some of the, um, the questions raised around Russia, rightly so. I mean, it does, it definitely, something happened with the data that was removed. It still doesn't explain why. I still, it baffles me how this happened. Supposedly, in the room. It has changed a few times. At first it was in the room at the same time next door. Then it was well around the same time. Then it was like it happened sometime when the people were there. So, um, is it, first of all, is it fair that Russian athletes um, are under such suspicion just for their nationality? Um, and is it fair that, that this ban, uh, this, well, ban on symbols and sort of like that they have to jump over a higher bar, is it right to impose because there has been a history of wrongdoing and misdeeds here in Russia. I, from a legal point of view, I have big issues with the idea that you can universally impose a ban on a gap in evidence. So let's say if we break it down, we're basically making an adverse inference. So we're saying by virtue of the data not being there, yeah. de facto be guilty. And then I think we also make another leap in saying that we can apply a ban generically as opposed to not looking at individual athletes. Yes, the system has huge flaws. Yes, there needs to be action. But at the same time, 
you have to look at how this action is being targeted. It's not being looked, it's not across the board. So from a proportionality point of view, it's lacking hugely. And if you were to impose the same logic and say it about other countries, would there be the same results? Because you go, the history in Russia means they're a very easy target. And yes, deservedly so. But from a legal point of view, I think you're opening yourself up to a myriad of caste cases, whether it's just in terms of one appeal or what if individual athletes decide, no, we're also going to appeal. You're tying up a system that is already... Too tied up. Diesel? Um, yeah. And I think the other big issue... Hi, sorry. Did I lose you there briefly? No, no, we've got a fire ahead. No, we're listening to you. We just lost you for just one second. But... Sorry, just in terms then of the caste process, we're looking at saying that athletes in general, by virtue of association with a governing body, are likely to have been doping. We're making a huge leap based on data that isn't there. But then we're also doing another thing. We're ignoring that one of the fundamentals of sports law is that when they changed WADA rulings, they included that it's an offence, essentially, to associate with someone who has a history in doping. There is that association. So were we now saying that by virtue of being Russian and being under the Russian doping controls, you can then be found because of a flaw in the Yeah. As good as a doper. Because well, it's a big leap and it is a leap that makes it very appealable as far as I can see. Well I mean that's that's the thing that that was told to me <clears throat> by the source in Wada was saying that, that most of these cases, like a lot of people can go to casts, especially because in, say, football, when they say, okay, if Russia qualify for the World Cup in Doha, uh, or in, sorry, in Qatar uh, in 2022, um, they, won't, they can't play there as Russia. Uh, they could be, I don't know, collection of athletes or whoever may be from some unknown country. Now, <clears throat> that's because they can, they can play as Russia in UEFA, but FIFA are, the, mm-hmm. uh, are a signatory to the water code, so it, it's slightly different. Um, Okay, guilt by association. Look, so we, we've had that even being, for example, being Irish people. Arab people have that for being Arab. So this, 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 this is like just a human condition that's always been there. Um, but if I, like tonight, um, I'm not sure if, it, well, you were probably disturbing me from it. The uh, BBC Sports Personality of the Year Awards is on. And when you look, you've got Ben Stokes. I've okay. decided to decline to watch it. Okay, yeah. very good. So Ben Stokes, who's the English cricketer, who uh, has had his issues in terms of violence um, against men and against women. Well, we, we again, against women, it's, it's, it's more than kind of like the rumour thing that he was supposed to be like grabbing his wife roughly, but then they said it was a joke. And it, uh, personally speaking, it just it was a very, very strange thing. But he's had his, his moments and he's had a, a tough enough life of his own. Raheem Sterling, we know, plays for Man City. He's... He's been doing very, very well this season. Uh, Alan Wynne-Jones, of course, the uh, captain of the Welsh team. Um, Mm -hmm. Kate uh, Johnson-Thompson, who, of course, broke Jessica Ennis-Hill's record. um, And she won the heptathlon at the the World Athletic Championships. Lewis Hamilton, of course, from uh, Formula One. And Dean Asher-Smith, the sprinter, who is just, like, unbelievably good. So she, of course, world champion in 200 metres. how how bad could it be that in, say, five, six years' time that one, two, maybe all of them will be found to have had uh, question marks over them? It's frightening for sports because we have 
a very short shelf life in terms of the public consciousness of doping. If it's not an athlete we're seeing day-to-day running, the historic removal of records means very little to us. In the sense that, I think in the last week you might have noticed there was a piece out on how essentially it was an excellent piece in The Guardian on how the London Olympics was probably the worst of them all. And yes. it was interesting to see it in British media because I think it's often skirted over and they'll go, they'll point to other competitions, other nationalities. And I think the difficulty with something like the sports personality of the year is at the time we're all very focused on it. And as we've seen in recent years, there have been some winners who... Yeah. And the British public seem to focus on their achievements without ever asking the same questions. If this was a Russian athlete and their medals or their history was suddenly in question, there's a very different attitude to it. And I think with the Sports Personality of the Year, you can only look possibly at this year's contenders and go with absolute certainty in your mind that one of them is has no very limited possibility of ever having a doping question in the future. No, you... you <coughs> that, that, that article, of course... Lewis. Yeah. I mean, okay. The least Just, popular, probably. <laughs> probably. I mean, um, you've mentioned it perfectly. The, the, uh, the, I, I urge our listeners to go read it. It's by Barney Roney. And the, uh, it's called... Uh, well, basically it's, it's titled um, uh, Why Britain Cannot Claim Moral High Ground After London 2012. Uh, he, he does give Russia a slap a deserved slap, but he also puts into context of what's going on around it. And one of the things was like, blame the Russians. So let's rub salt into the wounds and so on and so forth. Um, he said that, you know, if, if you're banning for people who have a Russian passport, clean or dirty, doesn't matter. Being Russian is enough, just as you said. Um, he then goes on to say, and so, this is coming back to something you just mentioned just a moment ago in terms of association or working with somebody. Um, one person that we know 100% he got a knighthood out of it and everything, he's, Mr. he's Sir Mo Farah, um, was training not with just one, but with a couple of very, very dodgy coaches, including the now banned Alberto Salazar. Um, and so, where is the sudden follow-on where you go, this was an athlete who, albeit he's still competing, so let's not say Mo is no longer competing. No, where he's going to be in the Olympics. He's going to be in the Olympics. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Where do we go and say... This is someone who's current. This is someone who has that association. It's not. It's not proven. Oh, I'm denying it. I I never trained no. with him, which is an yeah. It's an it's a common thing where athletes will say, "Well, I had no association with this guy." This is a case of it's not in question. His links with Salazar. We also have athletes who now moved from Salazar's program to train with some of Mo's friends, and I think they've effectively moved in with one of their families. <laughs> in the UK and you kind of go where are the questions being asked Mo is a current athlete where are we saying well he associated with someone who has now been banned albeit to, to give Salazar his one little bit of fairness in the judicial aspect of it he is appealing that and okay. he has lodged his appeal but he is currently banned at what point do we go and carefully examine the history of any athlete who was training with him at those times and go back and go, well, this is why we keep tests. Unless, of course, we're saying that these athletes were tested less, in which case 
Then, well, then it's a whole, it's a whole other. To te- there's no samples to test. Exactly, it's a whole a different kind of worms. Finally, um, just before we go, away, one thing that that again, this is from Barney Rowley, This is something we all know, and something that it has like blown my mind when people just like just ignore it. Um, <clears throat> a third of Team Sky, just of course the uh, the British cycling team, um, a third of them are uh, have allergies uh, or uh, sorry asthma. Seventy percent of top British swimmers who are very competitive have asthma. Now, in the population, you've got 8 to 10%. But yet, all these top athletes have asthma. So, surely... I'm sure if they could have thought about it, they would have all had thyroid problems too. But unfortunately, <laughs> Alberto couldn't be in every sport. Oh, <laughs> listen, we're going to bring it up in the next, the next segment. Iso, thank you so, so much. We're going, well, listen, we, we won't speak to you before Christmas. We do, I did do a flip for you, so uh, Double N's going to put that up. So enjoy that. Um, have a very happy Christmas and we'll speak to you before the new year. Great. Have a lovely evening. Thanks a million, Alan. Thanks, Cecil. Thank you. Okay. We are going to go straight out to the break with Sarah Barrel. Barreles or Barre, Barre, maybe. It's Love Song. So this one's for you. Back after the break with Mr. Andrew Flint. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so, I did say, I hope you enjoyed the song, by the way, just to sort of chill it out, because we will have you dancing around your kitchens, dancing around your living rooms. If you haven't eaten your Thai mango yet, or your, I don't know, your kumquats, or your apples, or your oranges, whatever it may be, time to eat them as soon as we play the last song. I'm telling you, you will enjoy it. And uh, work with a bit of energy before we face this long, long, hard week, another couple of weeks before New Year's, so... Keep it together, keep it together, keep it together. Okay, so I did promise you something very, very interesting coming up um, in the next, uh, <laughs> uh, let's say, a tip, <clears throat> shall we give? But of course, uh, this coming weekend, starting on Friday night, there are a number of uh, US college bowl games. So, say on Friday night at 10 o'clock uh, Moscow time, you've got Buffalo against Charlotte. They are in Bahamas. Yes, the Bahamas. At the Makers Wanted Bahamas Bowl. Some crazy names of these bowls. But anyway, um, looking down, a former guest of our show, a former guest of our show, you know who she is. She played soccer for Lokomotiv Moscow and now she's over playing soccer with uh, Central Michigan University, the Chippewas. They are in action in the New Mexico Bowl against San Diego State. That is at 10 o'clock on Saturday evening. However, even though the SMU, the Mustangs from, um, from Dallas, a, a sort of a legendary and also notorious uh, football program. They are 10 and 2. They are playing Florida Atlantic University in the Boca Raton Bowl. Uh, that's 11.30 on uh, Saturday evening in Moscow. So um, we're not going to talk about that even because even though it's a great one, we're not going to talk about it. You also have Appalachian State, great little school playing against the uh, University of Alabama at Birmingham, a place I almost went to work back in 2001. They are in New Orleans at the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl because, uh, of course, Appalachian State are ranked 25 in the nation. But we're not even going to speak about that. We're going to go back and speak about... Uh, a game that's starting at 3.30 on Sunday morning. So you can kind of stay up and watch it. 3.30 Sunday morning. Boise State, number 19 in the nation, against Washington, the University of Washington. Now, Washington are 7-5. They're a really kind of a legendary kind of team. Um, Boise State playing that lovely blue uh, AstroTurf. Uh, great. It's in Las Vegas. It's the Mitsubishi La- uh, Vegas Bowl. Now, um, I'm going to ask Dublin. Dublin, over under is what on that game? Um, it's 49.5. 49.5, okay, yep. so 49.5 on that. So that means that the total points in the game um, is going to be under or over 49.5. That's what the bookmakers are saying in Las Vegas, of course. Um, double N, I usually get my calls right on the college football. Yeah. I yeah. do, I do, I do. So, <laughs> folks, you've got two teams coming into this game, all right? And they're both very, very good teams. Boise, okay, the Bison, they have had a good season. As I said, they, you know, they... They're a good team. They're 12-1, and but they have a weak kind of schedule. Washington, good team, but they have a very strong schedule. For example, 
Um, they, they they lost against California. They lost against Stanford. Again, two very, very good teams. They lost against number 12, Oregon. Again, a good team. They lost against, the uh, at the time, they were number nine, Utah. No great shame that they beat Washington State University in the final game. Okay, lots of Colorado as well, but they're seven and five. They should be doing better than that, and you need to sort of get some um, <clears throat> bowl games, shall we say? You need to get some bowl wins. Now, uh, looking at it, they've scored lots and lots of points this season. Even losing games, even losing games, they're still scoring over twenty points most of the time. Or you know, in, in, in good figures. So. Uh, the other way, Boise State, they also like to score points. I mean, they racked them up against pretty much average teams like the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or Hawaii. They're putting 50 points, 30 points up against them. Even though, even when they're losing, when they lost to uh, Brigham Young University, they lost 28-25. Okay, so 28-25, losing against Brigham Young University, a, a team who were trashed, trashed by uh, Washington. They Washington beat them 49 uh, 45-19. So, under over, okay? Folks, what you reckon? It's going to be over. It's going to be over Fortnite by five. It won't be too much over, but it will. It'll be a tight game because both these teams want to win, okay? So it's in Las Vegas. So if you're looking at it, have a look at the odds. Over 49.5, okay? It's not really risky, but we've already haven't have lots and lots of luck so far this year. So, double N. You're okay with 49.5? Yep. And you reckon that... Okay, you tell me, who's going to win? Washington or uh, Boise State, in your opinion? Uh, I think Washington. Washington. Okay, so Washington will win over Boise. Okay. And by the way, just before, uh, folks, just to say... Thank you very much to Double M because he is heading away. Uh, he is heading away, hopefully, if he gets his visa to uh, to France. So, fingers crossed, he'll go away and he'll have a lovely Christmas in uh, in France and we'll see him early in the New Year. So, we're going to miss him for the next couple of shows. It's, it's breaking my heart to see him go. However, tomorrow we're going to be in here and we're going to be giving our gifts to the, uh, the Christmas drive, the drive for toys and for gifts for children in uh, a local orphanage. So we're, we're bringing up from Capital Sports, we're bringing in our gear as well. So uh, you'll be back. You'll be back in the early New Year, correct? Yeah, hopefully. Oh, that's right. Don't say hopefully. You say yes, I'll be back. I don't want to hear hopefully. I want to hear yes. It was for the go part. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Okay. Hopefully go and you're yeah. definitely back. Okay. All right. All right. So we're going to go straight out to the phone, straight out to two men, to Mr. Andrew Flint. Andrew, um, <clears throat> Esau Cody just brought up, you probably were listening to her, about uh, thyroid issues. Um, that, seems to be uh-huh, in, yes. that seems to be in vogue in uh, British sports. Yes. Well, yes. I mean, this this week we or last week I should say, sorry, um, the thyroid issue it just doesn't want to go away, does it? Um, UK Athletics had their members meeting where they were discussing thyroid medication. Um, now, they, they, it doesn't matter which substance it is, whatever method of doping it is, there are discrepancies in the statistics, and I think this is the the, the basic part where people need to start on. You know, if you if you look at the average number of sufferers of uh, underactive thyroids, um, the the number of athletes who are claiming medication for this is more than double the average UK national average, um, and the legality of thyroid medication is it does make a difference to your recovery. It does make a difference to your fitness, and UK athletics are going to discuss that very very seriously. Um, although, yeah. Down. Well, look, it, it, I'll give a bit of background to this. So, um, <clears throat> back in 2014, okay, uh, UK Athletics met with the English Institute of Sport um, and to discuss about 
you know, what, what like, because uh, Alberto Salazar, okay, um, of course, he, we know he's a distant running uh, consultant for UK Athletics. This is following on from Grigory Rodchenkov's consultancy there for the 2012 Olympics. Um, so he, they, they had this meeting and he basically said, look, um, if you have thyroxine, um, it helps, it, it alleviates a deficiency of thyroid in the body. Um, and it's not banned. But it does you need a TUE. Okay, so it needs a TUE. Now, we know that Salazar was given this uh, and forcing, like, Cara uh, Goucher. He's trying to force these athletes to take these medicines that they didn't need. Okay? Um, and, you know, uh, I mean, it was kind of... Uh, now, even paper... Oh, Travis Tigart, he turned around and said, you know what... Um, it's a little bit different because it, like, it's been used for endurance athletes and cyclists to lose weight and to boost testosterone. Uh, so it, it's kind of, you know, it, it's, it's, it is difficult to look at. But however, you know, that he, like Tiger said that it's okay to use it, but don't use it too much. Okay. So the former, as I said, the former world 10,000 meter champion, Cara Goucher, said that she was kind of pushed to take this uh, medicine. Now, this secret meeting was held, um, was followed up a year later. Okay, almost a year later, in 2015, that the UK anti-doping said it was disappointed by WADA banning. Okay, that they were that they banned Joe Pavey, who of course was the British uh, European 10,000 uh, meter champion. See, she said that people are using unethical thyroid medication to enhance their performance. Okay, so it increases metabolism for weight loss. Blah blah blah. But uh, WADA said that this um, was, you know, WADA said that we'll leave it off the, the uh, banned list or the prohibited list, okay? Uh, and that continued in 2016. And even UCAT said they're disappointed that it was treated like this, that it should have been, um, it should have been, like UCAT wanted it banned because they'd looked at it and said, no, this is a bit dodgy. Where does this then put athletes who were involved in this, who might have been using it? And we've already spoken about uh, Mo Farrell, but like, like... How does this leave the UK, Andrew? Well, I mean, firstly, there are people who do do suffer from this, and some of the athletes may have genuine reasons to take it. Um, I, I, I myself take it. I'm not an athlete, but I can certainly confirm that it does make a difference to weight loss, to energy levels, and there will be some genuine athletes who who actually do need this medication. Now, it's um, it, the the decision to the decision to allow it is. You've got to you've got to remember the difference between being forced to use it. Yes, I think it's um, it's going to be difficult for um, those athletes who generally do need it, and you, you have to remember that. Much there are suspicious links to who is promoting it. Um, uh, you, there are the genuine athletes that need to be remembered in this. Uh, I'm not sure how they are going to be allowed to continue using it without suspicion. But if, if you look at, like, um, <clears throat> the abuse of asthma medicine, simple as that, okay? Now, I heard a British uh, cycling coach on BBC Radio 4, um, and he turned around and said, ah, yeah, like, you know, that people, like, before sort of a hard stage or a hard sprint or a hard go on the track, they'll take a bit of a puff of the asthma inhaler. And I asked the question, but wait, are they asthma sufferers? I know. And nobody picked up on it. Suddenly, I was cut off the line. I'm thinking, no, whoa, 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 this is wrong. Because we saw when David Beckham was having a puff on the bench with uh, Real Madrid, he had a, a few puffs. And then he, he like, to sort of recover. And it was like, hold on, he's not, he's, he, he doesn't suffer from afro, and it, uh, asthma. And then suddenly, he becomes a lifelong asthma sufferer and starts doing these charity things. So, this is like a medical war. 
between the different countries. And I mean, Russia obviously isn't doing as good as the other countries. So, um, where, where, in your opinion, Andrew, what, what should be the sanction? Uh, and should TUEs be handed out as easily as they are right now? Well, I mean, absolutely not, obviously. I mean, the, the use of asthma medication is just ridiculous. Um, I mean, you, you know, again, I speak from personal experience. I am an asthma sufferer myself. The average year, you know, about 10% of the UK population um, are asthma sufferers. And then, amazingly, a third of Team Sky cyclists are apparently asthma sufferers. Yeah, 70% yeah. of UK swimmers are apparently asthma sufferers. I mean, it, it, that's not even close. That That's a fairly basic statistic. Yeah, I mean... And, and, and you know you don't need it explaining medically why asthma medication can help your your activity your lung capacity i don't understand how this is not more of a clear issue so tues are are being abused so blatantly that it's almost as if nobody questions it anymore look i i <clears throat> i'll give you some shock that that we recovered quite some time ago um and were handed over and this is like in 2000 and uh, 11 actually um, after the 2010 World Cup and we did some investigations into it so I'll just give you a few things before we ask you about your tips for next week um, in the Spanish team who won the World Cup in 2010 22 of 23 were registered asthma sufferers 22 of 23 they had TUEs for asthma um, <clears throat> in the English team who played in this year's World Cup every single player had a TUE for asthma medicine Every single player. We saw the Norwegian uh, skiing, uh, the winter sports team, who were coming to, to uh, the Olympics last year in South Korea, in Pyeongchang. The, the amount of asthma medicine they had. So, somehow we need to call stop on this. So, I mean, with those huge numbers, it, just, it, it doesn't work out. As you said, 10% of the UK populace has asthma. And yet, all these people seem to be sick. So, it seems the sicker you are, the better you're going to do. I mean, go figure. Listen, Andrew, we're, we, we've got a few minutes left, but a couple minutes left. Um, for next weekend's games, of course, huge games uh, over in England. We have, of course, the big one, the big, big, big one, the London Derby, of course, is uh, sport, uh, Sorry, it is Spurs and uh, Chelsea. Um, you're looking that it'll be under two and a half goals. That's on um, Sunday evening at 7.30. So under two and a half goals, correct? Yeah, I, I see it that way. I mean, both teams have got terrible defences, but they're on poor form at the moment, and we know. Yeah, like losing um, against his old club, so I, I see this as a as a dull game, to be honest. But under two point five, definitely. Okay, um, so yeah, of course, Mourinho facing Lampard, you know, kind of is like like master against teach or student, so it's going to be good one. All right, uh, the other game then on Saturday, three thirty kickoff, uh, Moscow time. Uh, that is Arf. Ars uh, Everton, excuse me, against Ar my God, what's going on? Everton against Arsenal. Uh, both teams to score, you reckon? Yeah, I think so. Um, Everton have got a bit of a boost recently under Duncan Ferguson. Um, Arsenal are well, just in dreadful form. Both teams have conceded goals for fun. Um, they no clean sheets on show for quite some time. So I, I see this as a pretty easy one for both teams to score. Okay. All right. Andrew, thank you very much. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next Sunday evening. Cannot wait.
Okay, that is Andrew Flint, our man and two men, our contributor, our main contributor. So we're flying through this. Andy Mack, of course, we couldn't get him tonight because he is under a, a massive amount of work right now in the RT studio. Right. Also, at 8.30 on Saturday, Man City against Leicester City. Um, that looks like it's going to be a home win and over, over... Three and a half goals. There you go. Okay, we're going to go out. I'm going to wish a double N luck with getting his uh, his visa. Going to wish everyone a good night and a very good week. We'll speak with you next weekend. We've got a great show lined up, of course, for next Sunday. So in the meantime, enjoy your sports. Dance to this one, okay? Because remember, no matter what, no matter how bad things are, you can't stop the feeling. So this is Justin Timberlake. Can't stop the feeling. Back with you next Sunday. Sports with Alan Moore. I got this feeling inside my bones. It goes electric, wavy when I turn it on. Off of my city, off of my home. We're flying up, no ceiling when we in our zone. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet I feel that hot blood in my body But when it drops 